0: a well-respected high school football scout, known for his unpopular opinion and brash commentary. The coach, Keith Miller. He's a well-respected national high school football recruiting analyst.
1: Craig, Craig Biggins.
0: Together they bring you the transparent truth. The world's number one source for high school football recruiting news and interviews. And a transparent truth. Ha truth, truth. <laughs> ha! Welcome, welcome. You're now listening to the Transparent Truth. It's your boy, Coach Keith. I'm in the building, intercom, Miracle Mile, recording live on a Tuesday. I know you're going to hear this on a Wednesday, but I still got a lot of juice today. A lot to talk about, a lot to analyze. Got a sleeper of the week from La Habra High School. Can't wait to introduce to our listeners. I got my boy Greg Biggins on the line. GB! You've been doing it for twenty plus years. You don't seem to be slowing down anytime soon, my man. How are you?
1: Slowing way down. I always wonder, though, Coach Keith. Can we really say we're recording live? It doesn't air until Wednesday. Is that like a little misnomer?
0: It, I think it is, but I think it, it feels <laughs> good to say it, and it, it sounds good. good. It. Yeah, and it sounds good to me. So I'm just gonna hey, go with it. Feel good, go with it. Sometimes GB things don't have to make total logical sense. Sense. If it feels good, just go with it. Yeah,
1: man. I gotta be careful. I think that's like one of the first chapters of the book of Satan I, or something. I, if it feels I know, good, do it. I know. Someone actually told me that's in there. That you didn't feel right versus. when I
0: said that, Greg. It didn't if it feel feels right. Feels good, do it. I'm like easy now. Yeah, it, that didn't feel right in my gut when I just said that, but I just went with it. So, uh, yeah, by the, the name left. of
1: Lucifer had that same philosophy at <laughs> one time.
0: Speaking of Lucifer. The Transparent Truth Recruiting Report. We're going to get into recruiting. No, it a <laughs> We're talking 7-on-7 seven seven later on. <laughs> we are. We've got a great show today, ladies and gentlemen. We are talking 7-on-7 seven seven and the element that surrounds it. You're not going to want to miss this conversation and dialogue. We're also going to take uh, into account some... Uh, I guess a statement, Shador Sanders, the son of Deion Sanders, he made a statement over the last 24 hours about uh, predetermined selections going to camps. And uh, we're going to look at that from both sides. So um, here on this show, we try to be you know, fairly objective. We try to look at things from you know, both sides of the coin or from different points of view. And uh, so we'll be breaking that down kind of as we move forward here in the show. But until we get to that, GB, we got recruiting. Hit us with what you got.
1: Yeah, we got one commitment. I think we previewed it last week, but that was Narbon wide receiver Josh Jackson committed to USC, kind of narrowed it down to USC, Oregon, Washington. I think he had Tennessee in there as well. But uh, USC uh, was kind of the team to be traveling favorites. You know, one of those kids, Southern California player who, you know, we talked about this before. You know, it doesn't matter the director or the head coach or who the assistant coaches are. Some kids are just kind of pre-designed, pre-wired to want to go to USC, yep. I think that's Josh Jackson. He went ahead and uh, committed at their junior day on Saturday, kind of did it in person, and once kind of word leaked out that Josh was, was at the USC junior day, it, it kind of became obvious who he was going to be committed to. He kind of already set that Saturday announcement for him. Um, but uh, what do you like about Josh as a football player, Keith?
0: Well, first things first, Greg, if you're going to be a, on top of the numbers as a wideout, You've got to be a great athlete because, on the flip side, defensive backs are the best athletes on the football field. So number one, you've, you've got to be a great athlete. You know, nine nine point nine times out of ten, you got to be a great athlete. Josh Jackson is at really good size at about six one and some change, but uh, just really bouncy, really fluid. Uh, really twitchy, can get vertical, he can run routes, he's got soft hands, um, he's highly competitive, you know, attends all the 7-on-7s, he's at all the camps. never sides away from the competition. Josh Jackson, I think, is your quintessential outside receiver. I'm not sure what he measures in at, Greg, but to me, he's probably around 6'1", uh, with the long arms, the bouncy feet, uh, the vertical ability, the ability to, to get inside of defensive backs and, and break inside routes, outside routes, run after the catch ability. He's got some strength, still needs to put on a little bit of size. But Josh Jackson, a, a primetime prospect with high-end athleticism and terrific ball skills.
1: So it was a, it was a good day for, for USC. They offered a couple of players, a couple of guys that we've featured and liked a lot, uh, Logan Loya and LV Bunkley Shelton. Uh, Logan is at St. John Bosco now. LV is at Sarah High School. Uh, so I think both those two guys were really excited. I went ahead and, and put in a quick crystal ball to USC for LV. That is the childhood favorite. And I, was, I think he was leaning toward Arizona State prior to that USC offer. But uh, definitely not saying the Sun Devils are out of it. He also will visit Ohio State next month. But again, this is a kid like a Max Williams, uh, like a Kyle Ford, like a Josh Jackson, like a Drake Jackson. Some guys just were kind of born and raised on being a Trojan. I think LV is kind of that kid. Uh, But he'll have some choices. He does have some choices. So uh, we shall see. But I think USC is in a really good spot. As for Logan, um, I think uh, he loves the offer. But I think he's a little bit more open. Um, I actually think UCLA, who will probably offer next, might be the school that I could see him at if they do go ahead and offer uh, next month, which there are rumors that they could. Uh, Arizona State loves Logan. Uh, Vanderbilt. Nebraska, they're all going after him pretty heavily, too. Uh, but uh, overall, like I said, uh, Bryce Young was there. Uh, Miles Morale was there. Jonah Monheim uh, was there. Uh, Moore Park High School. Drake Metcalf, St. John Bosco, was there. Tosh Baker from Pinnacle High School in Arizona. So some quality linemen. Uh, Darion Green-Warren was there. Uh, I actually went ahead and put in a prediction to USC for Darion. Former Oklahoma commit. USC was the runner-up at the time he committed. And just kind of talking with the family a little bit, I just got the sense that USC uh, made a big impression on them, not just football-wise, but thing that USC always does a nice job of selling is, you know, the networking opportunities outside of football, the alumni support. And uh, I don't think location is, is a huge deal, although I think it's kind of an added bonus. But another big factor is, you know, he's super, obviously he plays for ground zero and Armand Hawkins, Armand's son, Chris Hawkins is now uh, on the staff there coaching and, and they have a pretty special relationship, Chris Hawkins and Darion. And I, I honestly, I think Chris is going to – he'll be a really good coach someday. I mean, just as a player, he always was a guy like could see one day being a really good coach. So USC, now having Chris on staff, that connection with him and Darion is, is pretty strong. So uh, good job for USC. Kind of quickly had a, a handful of unofficial visits this past weekend. Jordan Banks went to Ohio State, a Narbonne player. I think Ohio State made a huge impression on him, Alabama. Is also right there in the mix, but I think if I had to guess, uh, I don't know if a commitment will come anytime soon. But I do think the Buckeyes are probably in a good spot for Jordan Banks, uh, Miller Moss, quarterback, sophomore from Alamany, visited Ohio State, Michigan, and then he's at Wisconsin today, uh, which was actually yesterday. I could say it's Wednesday, um, but uh, I think right now Michigan made the best impression for Miller Moss. They've actually already offered him a scholarship, and I would not be surprised if Miller, who only is a sophomore, uh, kind of goes the, the Tyler Buckner route and decides to make a commitment uh, a year early. Kind of what Bryce Young did last year. A lot of guys want to commit at the quarterback. Uh, you kind of want to lock your spot in before your senior year. But we're starting to see more guys do it for their junior year. Yes. Uh, Jack, Jack Miller did it to Ohio State. Bryce did it last year to USC. Tyler Buckner did it with Notre Dame. I think I could see Miller doing that in Michigan right now, Keith, is kind of the, the team to be staying with the quarterback theme. Jake Garcia. Uh, Another sophomore from Narbonne, he visited Auburn and Alabama over the weekend. Uh, Cameron Forrest from Cajon visited Fresno State. They offered him a scholarship. So I know we've talked about Cameron a lot on the show. Cajon was part of that really good defense. And then uh, man, how lucky is St. John Bosco to have a guy like Terry Bullock? He took six kids uh, on a little swing through the East Coast and Midwest. Uh, Court Williams, Ernest Green, Kobe Pepe, James Smith, Jake Newman, and Bo Collins. Went and visited Penn State, Michigan, Notre Dame, and Ohio State. Keith, Michigan offered all six kids on that visit. I think Penn State did as well. Uh, Ohio State, I think right now they made a huge impression on Court Williams. And in fact, there's some some buzz that Ohio State might be the leader right now for Court Williams. So uh, the Buckeyes did a great job there. And then last but not least, uh, Noah Sewell. Not a SoCal kid, but everybody knows all about. Uh, Big Sewell, uh, 6'2", 260-pound linebacker out of Nevada. He took an unofficial visit to Texas A&M and said he'll take an official visit back there as well. Uh, Right now, I think most people believe that Oregon is the team to beat uh, because of his older brother, Pene Sewell, is over at at Oregon. But uh, watch out for A&M. I think they've done a really good job. And I could see Noah wanting to make a name for himself and and picking a a big school like an A&M, like a Bama. Uh, One of those—he's that good of a player to play for any school in the country. So, that's about it, Keith. There's obviously more offers going out and more kids taking visits, but uh, we'll cut it off right there and kind of get your reaction.
0: Yeah. So, first thing I want to talk about, or just kind of touch on, is uh, you mentioned, you know, how blessed these kids are to have a guy like Terry Bullock take them out to the East Coast. Matter of fact, Greg, Terry and I, we ran into each other Sunday at church. We didn't even know we went to the same church, but we ran into each other at church on Sunday, and and Terry was talking to me about uh, this East Coast trip, and man, you know, I remember my days as a coach and, and how I used to love to spend time with my football players, and I don't know if I wanted to spend that type of time with them in terms of, you know, taking them all weekend and, you know, four, five, six, seven days to the East Coast, leaving my family. Terry has a big family. He has four kids, he's got a beautiful wife. Um, but I'm just not sure if people are aware, even the kids are aware of the type of commitment and sacrifice that entails to leave your wife, who, who you have four kids with, to venture across the country to chaperone and escort high school kids on college visits. That is a big time commitment. That is big time sacrifice. And I tip my cap to coach Terry Bullock doing an outstanding job, um, making himself available and willing to chaperone these kids across the country to visit these schools. And uh, let's make no mistake about it. These are all six talented kids. They have all warranted these offers because of their athletic, an academic ability but this is, that does not take away from the energy effort and again commitment that coach Bullock shows by taking these kids across country so my cap is off to him and I'm just somebody that can respect and appreciate um that type of energy from a from a linebacker coach at St. John Bosco also I, as his recruiting coordinator I think that may be his title as well but you know, much, much respect, Greg. I, I can appreciate that.
1: No, I'm, I don't. I think people always had this view, you know, Bosco kids get offers because they're great players, which they are. But it wasn't too long ago before Terry got involved in the recruiting, you saw a ton of – I'm not making light of it. You saw a ton of guys that were good quality players going to Dixie State. I, I think there was a stretch of like five guys with, with the Dixie State. Mm-hmm. And these were like legitimate Pac-12 offered guys. Right. And uh, Terry ha- has really done – a complete turnaround for Bosco kids getting these big time offers and dude, like you said I don't know how he does it it's, this isn't a, isolated it's, he does this all the time I and mean, he goes to every event that yeah. there is um, you know whether it be the Poly Combine whether it be the opening I mean he's everywhere taking his kids out there uh, away from his family Yeah. Uh, yet he, he's still heavily involved in coaching his kids and so uh, no one of my favorite guys and, and like uh, you know like, nice little shout out by you Terry definitely deserves all the love he's getting
0: Yeah, no question about it. Um, You mentioned guys being kind of groomed to be SC Trojans from birth. And uh, that's interesting because, you know, they have those types of kids in every region of the country. Kids, you know, growing up in Ohio, they want to play for Ohio State. You know, kids growing up in, you know, South Florida, they want to play for the University of Miami. Is the pool as strong still Greg as it once was for USC with these kids um, is, is the energy in the, and I'm hearing a lot of reports coming out of that junior day that it's a new SC it's so much different than it was four months ago it's a new SC you, you, do you know anything about this new SC this new movement that's going on in SC is the energy coming back to South Central LA yeah no I, I
1: do think I heard that same thing it's, it's definitely new the environment is new. It, it almost seems like they kind of flushed out last year and kind of want to usher in a new era. Uh, to answer your, your question, um, I don't think it's quite like it was in the Pete Carroll era or even in the early on, you know, Clay Helton era in terms of kids. Just I don't, don't want to use this word to sound like derogatory, but like people just blindly go to USC that doesn't, doesn't matter, you know, what the score, what the record. Now, we still saw it last year. Drake Jackson, honestly, um, when you compare. Arizona State and USC, just from a football standpoint, you know, ASU did a much better job recruiting him. Uh, USC fired their D-line coach. Drake really have a great relationship with the new D-line coach. Um, ASU was offering a ton of early playing time. Antonio Pierce did a phenomenal job recruiting him. They got him on campus. They did everything right. And at the end of the day, guess what? Drake still signed with USC. So I think there's still that pull. But it wasn't quite like it was maybe four or five years ago um, I think the door is now open. I think Oregon, Washington, uh, they probably won more head-to-head battles last couple years with USC maybe than anyone else has in a long long time. so I think I think for USC it's so easy they just if they win games this year if they win eight, nine, ten games all of a sudden you'll see guys like a Justin Flo uh, maybe even like an Elias Ricks who's committed to LSU you'll see guys who just want to see if they win and once they do, I think I can see them coming back. If they don't win games, then those guys are not going to go. So I think it's, it's, it's better than it was four months ago, but they still got to do it on the field. I think mean, that's what people are still excited and, and kind of interested to see how they do on the field.
0: I think my follow-up question, that is is if they don't have a great year, Greg, is there any truth to the rumor that Urban Meyer has taken a job in-studio not at the Transparent Truth, but in studio, I think for Fox or CBS or somebody, um, in Los Angeles, that he could become the next Trojan coach? See,
1: I heard from people that, you know, that that sounds great. You know, people are saying, oh, he he did that just because he wanted to get used to L.A. Think about how Lin Swan has done things before, very hands-on as an AD. Um, Does he want to give up control to someone like Urban Meyer who's going to demand total control and zero input from anybody above him. So that's hard for me to, to see right now. People do think at one point in time Urban will coach again, but I've heard from people who, who, who know him pretty well from his Ohio State and his Florida days that they would be shocked if he came to USC as soon as next year. Now, if we're talking two to three years down the line and there are some changes, it's a possibility. But I heard right now it would be kind of a surprise if he took that job as soon as next year.
0: Gotcha. Well, hopefully the Trojans do well and Urban won't be needed there on Figueroa. But nevertheless, GB, thank you so much for your responses. Thank you for your recruiting report. We appreciate it. It's time to move along. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to introduce our Sleeper of the Week. It's time for our Sit and Sleep Sleeper of the Week. Really want to thank our guy Larry Miller. He's allowing us to showcase unknown prospects that need to be brought to the spotlight. Larry is all about family and community, and his support is helping to change the lives of young players across the country. Each week, young men are getting scholarship offers after being featured on this show. So thank you, Larry. When we have business and a man that is really interested in the community, we need to show our support right back at him. Since Sleep is the only place that offers advanced sleep technology, Greg? Body diagnostics. That's five-star stuff. This is
1: high-quality stuff. Lay down on a mattress, and within seconds, Thousands of sensors can help you find the absolute right mattress for you. Wow, within seconds? Seconds. Man, that's awesome. Yeah.
0: Sit and sleep. They'll beat anyone's advertised yeah. price or your mattress is free. free. Yeah. Appreciate you, Larry Miller. Thank you, Larry. Yeah. All right, our sleeper of the week this week. Young kid out of La Habra High School. Um, Older brother, big-time four-star recruit. Fighting for the number one defensive back or cornerback position ranking in the country. But I want to talk about baby brother, Bryce Phillips. Defensive back, La Habra High School, 2021. A little different than Clark, Greg. A little different. A little taller, a little longer. But I think his development is going to be a little prolonged because of it most people don't understand when you're taller and longer your development is a little slower because you're trying to get control of your body versus a kid who's more is shorter more compact more muscular you get control of your body earlier um bryce has has a lot of the tools that colleges are looking for at the corner position he's got emerging footwork he's got quickness Um, He's flexible, even with that size, at about 5'11". He's got the long arms. He can run. He's got emerging ball skills. I mean, they're not tip-top yet, but you can see him getting comfortable. You can see him finding the football, getting his eyes back um, and and tracking it. Um, He's aggressive. He'll he'll hit you. I think this year will kind of be his breakout year on the field. I think next year he'll do really well on the camp and seven on seven circuit. I can see this kid being a 15 plus offer guy. Um, so GB, I know you've, I believe you've had a chance to see him. Can you give me some input?
1: That's, that's a great breakdown. I, I do like him. He has that same makeup. Uh, you know, so, so props to you know, the Phillips parents, yeah. our senior, you know, these guys have just have that make, they just work. Yeah. And, uh, it just ticks me off because my own kid isn't like that. He doesn't have that. He's not wired that way. Mm-hmm. But these kids just work. You, you can't work them hard enough. And so he's got that same ability. Um, I do think he's a little bit longer mm-hmm. um, than Clark. We'll see if he develops because Clark was, a, was kind of a late bloomer in the sense that, you know, his freshman, uh, even sophomore, year, he wasn't a super twitchy, hyper-athletic kid. But he's worked so hard on, on his speed his short area burst. It just kind of goes to show, man, that you can improve in those areas if you really work hard at it. And Clark has made huge strides. And so I, I think, uh, you know, I, I do like the development. And I think, uh, like you said, man, I'm, I'm excited for Bryce to, to make a huge, have a big impact on the field for our guy, Coach Mazada. Yep. And uh very bright future, I believe as well.
0: Yeah, very bright future. Uh, had him at the Pro Football Hall of Fame Showcase. And again, he has a knack for finding the ball. Um, staying patient, not t- a ton of hands, just a guy trying to run a route for a receiver, find the football, and make a play on it. Um, does a nice job. Does a real nice job. So Bryce Phillips, La Habra High School, college coaches, you better get on him now because you can see that star is ascending. It's beginning to ascend. I don't know where it's going to end up. I can vision kind of where it's going to end up. This will be a Pac-12 level football player, no question about it. And um, I think he's got a really nice ceiling. So our transparent, true sleeper of the week for this week is Bryce Phillips, 2021 La Habra High School cornerback. Congratulations. It's time to move along. GB, we get to the point of the show, man, where I think the music starts to slow down a little bit. The lights kind of dim a little bit. It's time to get into some to some to some serious conversation. We're talking 7 on 7. Why? Every time I say that, Greg, I get this smirk on my face. We're talking 7 on 7. 7 on 7 is an enigma. And there's been quite a bit of drama GB This offseason with seven on seven. I want to take you through a series of events and then kind of get your response. So um, let's go back to pylon, pylon, seven on seven, big brawl in the parking lot, not just kids, not just parents, parents and kids in a big brawl where people had to be sprayed with mace. Let's fast forward. I um, want to move down to Florida. There was a tournament in Central Florida. I saw South Florida Ex- Express put out a statement. They beat a team. The team came over and started a brawl. The event was canceled, and everybody had to go home. Let's move to this past weekend. Tournament in Pasadena, a pro-way shootout. There was a brawl. I believe things had to get canceled. I don't, I'm not sure if the, I'm not sure if the tournament com- finished or was completed, but there was a brawl, and then there was a seven-on-seven tournament at Bellflower High School. Greg, and here's the thing: a good friend of mine, Darnell Lacy, uh, former Pop Warner teammate of mine, longtime friend, played together since I was seven years old. He was nine, and. His son plays for a 7-on-7 team that's a 9-year-old team. and they Apparently, they won a championship at Belfair High School on Sunday. Very happy for, for D. Lace and his son. I think it's Darnell Jr. He seems like he's going to be a pretty good football player. And I was happy for them. And then hours later, Greg, I found out there was a shooting. Um, unclear whether or not the shooting was related to seven on seven. So I don't want to make that statement. But from my understanding, two parents got into a heated exchange. And I'm not sure what two parents would be doing up at Bellflower High School, just randomly. But they got into a heated exchange in the parking lot. One parent went to go get a gun and began shooting. Colleague of mine, Jaquez Green, said, uh, he hit me on Twitter in my DM. He says, you know, Keith, you said something like this would happen. Last year, you said you didn't feel safe in the 7-on-7 environment. And I said, "Jaquez, you're absolutely right. Um, at some 7-on-7 tournaments, I don't feel safe. It reminds me of being on Crenshaw back in the late 80s, mid-90s, and you can just feel somebody's going to get shot one day. Not sure if someone was shot, Greg, at the Bellflower High School, but gunshots were reported. What, what, what do you have to say, GB? What? G- give me, give me some feedback. Give me a perspective. Give me something that's gonna make me feel something.
1: Uh, how's that? How's that for a sound? Just, I got a long sigh. Yeah. I've always been a proponent, and, and how, how contradictory is this going to sound? I always liked the idea of kids doing 7-on-7 seven seven because it kept them off the streets. Mm. You've probably heard me say that before. Yep. I thought it was a good avenue to keep kids working out, having fun, fine-tuning some aspects of their game, keeping them safe. How ironic is that? I'm mm. safe off the streets in a, in a controlled environment. I would tell people who, because everyone loves the bad mouth 7 on 7. I said before, I'm not its biggest fan, but I'm also not big biggest detractor. But I would always say, hey, it's better than being on the streets, you know, doing selling dope or fighting. But dude, that has now kind of carried into the 7 on 7 world. And. We talked off air. I have some ideas. Right. How how to clean it up. Um I think some people would would say, Hey, those ideas are are pretty good. Others would say, Hey, that's way too old school. You sound like twenties foot, get off my lawn, get out of here with all that garbage. I feel like I would get I would get both those two reactions. Mm -hmm. Um I I don't know what what is going on in the sense that I feel like this year there's been more brawls that I've seen than probably the last couple of years combined. And I think there's multiple reasons for that. Maybe because there's, there's more people now involved in the events and not all of them are, I guess we could describe as upstanding citizens. Um, I think maybe it's all these kids. They seem to find joy in fighting other people and it's like a, it's like dunking on someone in basketball, punching someone that at a seven-on-seven seven event is now kind of a cool thing. You know, everyone's going for that viral video of you as a corner, you know, just press slamming a guy into the ground. Right. You know, now it's going from just doing that. You know, there was a video a couple of years ago uh, of the DB. I forget where he went. Pretty big-time DB, but he picked up a guy. And yeah, he threw from him and Florida. From Florida. Went to
0: Ohio. State. Johnson.
1: Yes. You know, if I want to play with my kids, I'll have my own stuff stupid like that. And and everyone thought that was the greatest thing. And now everyone's trying to do that. Um, and And that, honestly, that leads to altercations. You have angry parents that are too close to the action. And when they're literally next to each other, stuff gets yelled at. And when it's already, you're already kind of triggered as it is. A ref makes a bad call. A coach yells at a kid. A coach yells yeah, at an opposing kid. You're now you're having adults that are supposed to be there to kind of keep everything protected and be. How can I say this? Be the adult. Yeah. And but but they're not always the adult. They're the ones that are instigating a lot of it. You have some of these coaches that are encouraging that. They're encouraging trash talking. They're encouraging getting their face. They're encouraging you know all this stare guys down. All that does is just create a kind of a, you know, you can just see that the fever gets higher and higher and higher and higher sure. and something is, is going to happen. You can just feel it when it's going to happen. Like yep. I've been at a ton of events where I said, Dude, in this game right here, something's going to happen. Yep. And it, it just, because it's all, all these little factors and that's why I, for me, parents wouldn't be on the field. Simple. They'd right be up in the stands. Right. If you, there is no stand, right. they'd be in the track. If you, there is no track, they'd be in the parking lot. Like you don't need to be there. Like I think it's awesome that parents wanna love and support their kids. But if this is truly about the kids and you can't control yourself and there's no stadium, then just don't even show up.
0: Yeah, I don't even think that's an option, Greg. Parents are gonna show up. I, and you have you have some ideas that I think are good ideas, Greg, and I want you to share those in a minute. Um But you talked about, you know, parents being on the field. I remember being at at maybe my last All-Star 7-on-7. It was over a year ago. It it was probably 14, 15 months ago. That was my last All-Star 7-on-7. And I'm on the sidelines, and there are parents everywhere on the sidelines. Not just parents. There are some very suspect individuals and I'm thinking, this can't be good. Needless to say, a brawl broke out. And that's when I made the statement on last year's show, or you know, not too far around this time last year, seven on seven is out of control. And people clap back at me. What do you mean, seven on it's not seven on seven, it was one event. Well, 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 here we are again. Speaking, it was just one event. There is a culture, Greg, that has been created by the powers that be. A, a woman, a mother, reached out to me, Greg, and she said, Keith, what is going on in 707? These teams are like little gangs, and their coaches are li- like little gang leaders. I said, you know, it." It's a a problem. An environment has been created, a culture has been created, and it's going to suffer. It's it's going to suffer. It's going to continue to take hits until someone gets control of it. I don't believe the people who are involved have the ability, the intellectual, the leadership, the character ability to get control of it. So it's gonna run amok until someone who does have those characteristics, Uh not someone, a group of people who have those characteristics, characteristics can get it under control. It's it's sad. It's sickening. It's disturbing. And it, I made a statement not too long ago, a couple weeks ago, Greg. I said my son will never play All Star Seven on Seven. somebody said well why not why won't why you willing this is the exact reason why I don't have time for parents cussing at him or some kid trying to fight him or slam him on the ground while he's in his t-shirts and shorts not to say my kid couldn't defend himself but we don't we don't choose to engage in that type of environment we don't choose that we would rather work on our craft continue to develop and improve for the long haul. That's our choice. That's what we choose. Not to be involved trying to go viral off somebody's, you know, WWE performance. Which we're not we're not down for it, Greg. Go ahead. No, I, I think
1: I think the issue is there's a lot of money now. In seven on seven, so everyone's putting on a tournament. You're you're hiring crap refs um, who don't know how to do a game correctly. They allow everything to go. It it gets it boils over. Everyone gets upset. And when people get upset, the reaction is just to start swinging. And there's a certain image that people have to protect. I get that, right? No one wants to be viewed as a soft kid or even a soft coach who who instills softness. So they're, they're just, everyone's just ready almost. And so at the Adidas tournament, that was strictly invite for just pretty elite teams. Um, For the most part, coaches who were pretty solid. There wasn't a single incident that I can remember. Mm -hmm. It was, it was really, a really clean event. So, you kind of going, okay. Now, so what did they do differently? Well, number one, these are all Adidas sponsored events, so I think the, the feeling was if anybody did anything out of hand, guess what? There goes your Adidas sponsorship.
0: Okay, okay, so there were consequences involved.
1: There were consequences. There okay. was no picking it, picking the football and putting it. That was already say you're not doing that. There was nothing like that going on at this event. Mm-hmm. Like I would go even to a bigger extreme. Like, I, Ryan Lacey was there, big Tom Adidas guy, helping to run the event. And I even said, dude, there was a game that was featuring pre- premium versus pro-way where there were so many coaches and so many former players from one side yelling at the other. They were, like, on the field yelling, not off the They were, like, literally on the field in these guys' ears yelling. I go, dude, Ryan, get everybody off the field. If you're not a coach, get them off the field. And he was like, ah, oh, it, it's all right. I like, I like the environment. For me, like, again, I'm gonna sound like grumpy old man. Get off my lawn. But we did tournaments for student sports for years. We did we did two every year. We did not allow trash talking. Mm-hmm. And people said, "Dude, that's impossible. How do you not allow guys to trash talk?" Now, if it's if it's minimal, if it's a guy little that we we allow that. But it's absolutely in your face, we're like, boom, flagged in the sideline for a play. Yep. We definitely didn't allow any coaches on the field. We allowed one coach on the field. Everybody else is off. And now I would almost do another rule and people think this is stupid. I would love to see a tournament with no no press coverage. I want to see if you can actually cover a guy. I even told Malik James at his own tournament two years ago. He goes, hey, GB, what can we do to make this unique? I go, dude, how about just for the fun of it? No press coverage unless you're inside the 10-yard line or if it's third and short. I go. Uh, he goes, you want us to come at the media to, to cover this, right? We want to go see who can play football. I go, I'm not seeing anything. By by, 85% of these corners, all they do is clutch, grab, and hold, and headlock. Right. That doesn't show me anything. I go, have him play off. He, he loved the idea. I don't know if he's instilled it or has thought about it a second time. But at the time, he goes, dude, we'll do it. How many fights start because you have a corner that's just getting a little too grabby and aggressive? So what does the receiver do? He's got to pretty much punch the guy to get him off of him. So what? And then. That just escalates. So yes. I'm saying, everybody, off the field, no trash talk, no taunting, no press coverage. Let's just play football and see what happens.
0: Oh, my God. And,
1: and honestly, I would go, we went, we went the soccer route where we said, we, we had these tournaments with Nike, right? So they were Nike schools, so mm. there was obviously that, that you screw up, you're, you're going to get reprimanded by Nike. But we said this, if you commit a flagrant penalty... Yeah, which is not not a you know not a a, a shove or not you know no. going the ball. I talk about you cl- try to clothesline the guy, or you're going out of your way to take a guy down. You're out of the game. You do it a second time, you're out of the tournament. Yep. Like we, we don't mess around with the. Now I'm seeing I'm seeing guys actually fighting and be allowed to come back in that same game. You got to get them out of there. Like you're gone. See ya. Enjoy yourself. Have a great day. You're done. We don't need you here. So it takes, but the problem is it, it takes coaches and parents who are willing to say, okay, I'll, I'll agree to that. Like you said off the air, we, I totally agree with you. You know, kids do want structure. They do want discipline. They, I have stood up for years about Long Beach Poly. People used to, oh, it's hard to coach. I go, dude, no, it's not. Kids at Poly, they want guidelines. They want discipline. They want structure. Mm-hmm. Like give it to them. They'll embrace that. I believe that could happen, but I also believe there'll be a lot of pushback because it's not cool to not trash talk. It's not cool to not be on to press coverage. It's not cool to, you know, to do this kind of stuff when it can go viral. I can get a lot, a lot of followers, Keith. That's a big deal if I'm an 18-year-old kid, right? I want as many followers as I possibly can. I want likes. I want that more so than playing football. So those are my ideas. Yeah. I doubt they would be embraced, maybe by some probably scoffed at and laughed at and mocked by others, but that, that's what I would do to clean up 7-on-7. Seven seven. If it's about purely the kids getting better and learning football, then I think those people would embrace it, but if it's about the other stuff, people would probably mock it.
0: I think culture creators redefine what's cool. Think about that. I think culture creators redefine what's cool. Fighting in a football, on a football field in a game is not cool, Greg, regardless of what um, what society says or what social media says. Um, I'm going to go a step further, Greg, in terms of keeping parents off the field and playing off coverage. How about take the coaches off the field? This is high school football, Greg. This is not youth football. How about take the coaches off the field? Just a, Just a suggestion. Just a suggestion. You mean A players don't know their plays or B players can't communicate their plays. How about that? No coaches on the field. Coach from the sideline like they do in any other high school game. You want you you want the media to come out. Uh, you want the lo- you want the money, you want the love. Okay, well then conduct yourself with some professionalism. A high school coach doesn't need to be on the field. Do it from the sidelines. If you can't do it from the sidelines, then what are you coaching for? You know? Um I think we need to redefine what's cool. And I'm I'm happy to do that. I'm ha- I'm happy and willing to do, to redefine what's cool. Be- you said something so funny cuz it sounds just like me. You said, "How about we just play some football?" How about that? What happened to that? How about we just Play some football. I, I often thought, Greg, seven on seven was like pickup basketball. And it is. I'm just being real. It is. Think about what happens in pickup basketball. You foul me. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. Don't foul me again or I'm a. Then a fight breaks out. Have you not seen that or heard of that before? That's exactly what happens. So, um, you know, want to move on. I am aware that the cif is fully aware of what's been going on and what's transpiring on a weekend basis greg and i have heard the cif uh executives are in conversation about cleaning up off season seven on seven football out here in the southern section gb any insight on that any information you got
1: I mean, I, I've been hearing that for a few years now. I haven't heard anything recently, but uh-huh. I do know that it's something that a lot of high school coaches are advocating. Yeah. Um, they want their kids to be with them. A lot of those high school coaches already aren't fans of 7-on-7 7 7 because they believe it's an avenue for kids to transfer out of their high schools. Mm-hmm. So what all these fights and and can't and whatever, be helping, yeah. Uh, dude, that's just giving them more ammunition sure. to go to CFSAC we can't have this anymore right so, now a lot of those high school coaches actually you know they like to have the break right now um so it's kind of contradictory it was some were okay with seven on seven because it allowed their kids to train a little bit mm-hmm. and not every kid you know is going to do track or baseball or, or volleyball whatever the spring's for your choices so they were okay with it before because it gave them a break uh the, the same ones that are saying, I don't want to elevate these high school coaches too much, Now there's some great ones, but some of them are like, dude, I don't want to mess with my kids. I want to break myself. But a lot of them, dude, they would love to work with those, those kids. So we'll see if TF, T.F. does step in and allow there to be kind of sanctioned 7-on-7, seven seven, but it has to be through your high school. That would radically change things because, again, I i don't think I've been to too many high school 7-on-7s seven where there's been a brawl that breaks out. No. How, how's that, right? How, how What's the... <laughs> that, why is that, I mean, right? Make the sure. think for a second, right? I go to the Edison one every year. I go to the Dana Hills one every right. year. Right, right. Um, Mr. Deho, uh Los Al one. Never a I problem. I see a fight. Never yeah. a problem. So it's, it's interesting why that's the case. And we'll kind of maybe leave it at that. Leave, leave it open-ended and let people think about, you know, why is that like that for high school and not so much for the, you know, all-star seven-on-seven format.
0: Yep. Let's move along, GB. Got one more topic to touch on and don't want to spend too much time because we're I know this has been been a little bit of a long show, but Shador Sanders. Not sure if you guys know Shador Sanders is the 2021 quarterback out of the state of Texas. He is the youngest, I believe, son of Deion Sanders, the Pro Football Hall of Fame cornerback, former baseball player, superstar athlete, Um Shador put out a statement 24 hours ago or so. And he he mentioned the predetermined selection at the rivals camp that he recently had gone to, he and his teammates. Um, and he talked about, you know, why the why the camp circuit was flawed because players were already predetermined to get invites before they even came to the event. Uh, I want to read off his statement. It's pretty short, Greg, but here it goes. My friends and I enjoyed getting a good workout at the Rivals camp yesterday, but here's the problem. We love to compete against other athletes at the camps, and that's why we go. But many of us, but many of us, recognize there's a predetermined agenda and it bothers us as ballers we know who's who and what's what and we know when something doesn't add up one of my boys killed everything in front of him at the wide receiver position and got no love they even called me an athlete or they were talking about my dad i'm a pure drop back passer maybe they said that because i play baseball come on rivals in end, end of uh, statement. So, Greg, what do you what do you what do you take from that statement? Because I know you said you weren't aware of it. We talked a little bit about it off air, but there's the statement in itself. What do you, what's your takeaway from it?
1: Uh, so so many different directions to go. Number one, I, I do believe there is a little bit of hypocrisy with that statement. Uh, no one has benefited more by his last name than. Sanders, uh, he's actually a pretty good quarterback. I, I've seen him multiple times, but talk about a guy who was already invited to the Under Armour All American game two years ago. Now, did he deserve that? As a freshman, how about a, how about a giant no? Right, right. Um, so again, if this that is' Deion Sanders, I don't know if he's getting that UA invite. Uh, saw him again this past year. He was at the Under Armour one at Mission Viejo. Uh, he's solid, um, but. I, I don't see elite out of him just yet, but uh, so it's kind of interesting coming from him. You know, I used to have you know, this a kind of a famous saying, players no players. And I will agree to some extent, but not to a greater extent. Mm-hmm. Um, if you relied on players to do the evaluating, uh, those would be some really weird-looking rankings because they don't understand projection and upside. Right. Which is the two words that we use on this show over and over and over again. I've had players tell me. You know, this my boy right here. He's the, he's the best. He, and then three, four years from now, that guy hasn't changed physically, and he's not playing anywhere. So, we're not talking. Do you guys know toughness? Yes. Do players know maybe who's a dog? Yes. But do they understand how to look ahead three to four years from now, which is what rankings are all about? No, they do not understand. That's why players do not always make the best predictions on who they think can play. And as far as these camps. Yeah, there's a little bit of predetermination, and you're seeing that. You know, Keith, you're involved with camps. Now, I've been involved with camps for 20-plus years, Mm -hmm. Rivals does camps, Under Armour does camps, and I've said this so many times. I'll just say, refer to the one that I'm most familiar with, which is the opening, regional, because that was, from 15 years, that was my job, was player personnel, uh, getting the kids there, and then also making those selections. And I think too many people don't understand how the process works in terms of who gets that golden ticket to the end-of-the-year event, the opening finals, uh, you're doing Hall of Fame Combines and you're picking guys for the the World Bowl. It's not a one-day evaluation. It is a body of work. Right. So you could go to the um, Hall of Fame Combine and have a great event and be be better than this other guy, but guess what? That guy will get the golden ticket. Why? Because his body of work is better. It's it's still it's not only how you do that day, but it's film, it's event, it's projection, it's upside. It's all of that. And that makes sense. Why would you want to go to an event where everything came down to how you did on that one single day? What? Why would you want to do that? You don't want to be judged just on that one day. You want your whole body of, you want film, you want pads, right? That's where football is actually played. So I think that's what confuses people about the opening. They say, hey, how that guy... Not get, you know, that guy got MVP at his position, but this guy had the same position, got the opening invite. Well, because that guy was the best player today, but the opening vinyl invite is based on your body of work, your film. And guess what? His film is 10 times as good as you, better than your film. In fact, you don't have any film. You didn't even start last year, but you were the best player today. So you should get honored, which is kind of cool. But as far as who gets that invite to the, to the big ticket, that's got to be the guy who has put it together, their body of work, their, all of that, take it in. And uh, so th- that's where I always want to come in and, I don't want to say educate people. It sounds like I'm kind of being condescending. But it- it's not just how you do at a one-day event. I think a lot of kids don't get that. A lot of parents don't get that.
0: Yeah, couldn't agree more. Um, just to reiterate, running the Hall of Fame showcase, every kid who attends, Greg, before the event, leading up to the event, I watch film on every kid that has registered. It's a daunting process. 250 kids in NorCal, over 200 kids in SoCal. I watch film on every kid because I have to know, you know, what position the kid plays. You can't just say offensive line and stick a guy somewhere in 11-11 group. Right? I have to know where he plays, what he's comfortable at, Um, Where he's comfortable at, what he can and can't do, so I can put him in a position to be successful. With that being said, you get a very good feel on how good a kid is and how good a kid will be. Projection and upside. Take, for instance, when you talk about predetermined selections. Yeah, there's a little bit of predetermined selection, but it's based off the kid's body of work. For instance, Northern California. Danielle Nagata You know Number two all-purpose back in the country Super explosive Super fast Tremendous playmaker A dog on the field uh, Plays for a big-time school Who's gone on and won state championships I think now two years in a row um, With him on the squad Sophomore year and then junior year He did not take one running step At the Hall of Fame event But he showed up and showing up meant that he was invested in our vision for him playing in the World Bowl. Now, he did not outplay one person around the field, but his body of work spoke for itself. Therefore, he received the Hall of Fame World Bowl invite, not because of his camp performance or showcase performance but because of his body of work we've seen him at different events we've seen him at seven on seven we've seen him in camp settings we've seen him in state championship games we've seen him you know in regular season games the kid is just a baller we wanted him a part of the world ball he got the invite now you you look at the same event you look at a guy like Khalel Arambolis. California school of the death 5'10 225 pound fullback didn't know he was going to go out there and run 4'6 didn't know he was going to go out there and and, and, and catch the ball fluidly and and make people miss in space at his size but he did so when you looked at his film pre-showcase okay, 1300 yards 18 touchdowns in 8 games very productive Not only productive, but you saw the forward body lean. You saw the running behind the pads. You saw finishing on contact, you know, for first downs. You saw a guy running through arm tackles, making people miss in tight quarters. Then you put that together with his showcase performance. You say, okay, this guy is a legitimate high-level college fullback. And we know fullbacks aren't a big part of the game now, but this kid deserved and earned what he got, a World Bowl invite. He wasn't pre-selected, He wasn't predetermined. But his body of work from his film to his showcase performance and then going back before we even we, – we spoke with his coach uh, before he even arrived because we needed to know something about the kid uh, because of his handicap. And how we were going to communicate and so on and so forth with him. The kid earned his spot, his roster spot, Greg. So, there are pieces that Shador is right on both sides. There are somewhat predetermined looks. There are kids who earn it. But that's just kind of the way it goes. And I don't know if you can fight, scratch, and claw and complain about it. But... You know, it's it's rivals' event. It's their deal. I, you can complain about it, but is it really going to matter, Greg? They can do things the way they want. You do things the way you want in your house, don't you? I do. I well, I, I used to, and I got <laughs> kids, and
1: now I I cater to them. It seems like way too often, but no. I mean, I, all, all your points are, are well taken. Um, you know, I, I I do think it bothers people, and they feel like there's favoritism. At different events, I'm, yeah. I'm sure you probably got pushed back by people saying, the God, it didn't work out. Why did he get the invite? Sure. Um, I know when rivals, you know, following uh, there were some guys who got invited who people were like, dude, I was killing that guy all day. I heard that because there was a 7-on-7 the weekend after. I know at the opening, same deal. But, uh, you know, I, I think people, if people understood that, you know, it's, it's not just a one-day deal. I think that should take some of the, anger and aggression and there's always opportunity i don't i don't i can't think about the adidas event but you know with the the opening one there's always guys who are kind of off the radar who come up and kill it and then what we do we, we have a good idea of who these guys are but we'll go and act, actually re-watch the tape and say hey this guy looked better than he did on the tape let's watch him again and you'll see guys maybe you were not on that pre-selected you know just gotta show up and do well list but you kind of put yourself on that list so i still think there's value and coming out and competing hard, and it, it never, it never hurts you to go out and kind of show that hey, I can play. So, uh, but getting back to you know Shadur's statement, you hear that here after every single camp again, there's kind of some irony coming from him. Kind of like Bob Johnson was complaining about recruiting <laughs> <laughs> that, that was modern day. Bob, Bob is my guy, but come on, Bob. Um, Mission never lacked of transfers, so it's just kind of like let keep it all in perspective, but uh, no, it's it's a good thing that you brought up. I think that's a good good
0: topic to discuss. Yeah, no question about it. So um, that's you know it kind of brings us to a close today. I thought some good points were made. I think we looked at things objectively. I definitely feel like seven on seven needs a ton of work, and they, they need I don't know if they need a a governing body. I know some people suggested that. Greg, um, you you brought some some pretty solid. Answers um, that I think can help clean up the the industry. Now you know getting people on board with those is something different, but I thought those were some pretty solid answers or responses to some of the problems that are occurring. Um, And you know, we'll see where we're at this time next year. GB, last year at this time, I said somebody somebody might get shot. Well, there was a gunshot. Now. We'll see where we're at this time next year. Hopefully, we can revisit this and things have improved wholeheartedly. Or, Greg, they're going to get worse because they never stay the same. So, um, that about does it for today's show. Thank you so much for joining us. The Transparent Truth. It's your boy, Coach Keith. It's your guy, GB. There's a new sheriff in town, and his name's Reggie Hammond. Y'all be cool.